Okay, great stuff. Uh, hopefully, everybody. Um, hopefully, everybody has had a chance to uh, grab a cup of tea <laughs> um, or a drink of their choice, whatever they want, um, and refreshed. Let's just uh, let's just get back into it and go straight back into the question uh, that that Matt asked. A um, uh, couple of couple of uh, couple of comments here, which is absolutely. Uh, Great. I want to bring in. Uh, I want to bring in Rick, uh, who I know is joining us all the way over from the states. Uh, who's answered the question? Rick, can you hear us? I can hear you. Hear me? I can hear you. How are you? Hey, Rick. I'm doing well. Well, how are you guys? We're, we're all well, thanks. Do you just want to tell everybody about where in the world you are? Yeah, I'm. I'm in uh, a state called Tennessee, so it's the middle of the United States. We're a pretty big country. <laughs> As a matter of fact, like we have we have 50 states and 11 of them can fit the UK inside our that state. Oh, I mean, it's a huge huge country with 330 million people. So Brilliant. we don't have the culture that that mm. you guys do. It's just it's not the same game. There's mm. you, we there's there's more love for themselves than their team or their country or and but that's what our culture is that's you know it's, it's what's in it for me that's what it's become since world war one and world war two okay um so so, so rick you, you put an interesting answer to to, to to matt's uh to matt's question in the chat do you just want to do you just want to sort of repeat that for the benefit of everyone yeah i i just say i've i've had some i've coached from the two-year-olds all the way up to the 23-year-olds it's just different every every player is different some are really mature like you can get a freshman in high school and it's like he is he's ready to play college he understands his responsibilities he gets his touches in practice and then you got the other kid that's picking flowers, you know, and not, not really playing. So yeah. it, it's very individual for me, what I've, what I've found anyway. It, it, it's very dependent on the players, what, what they really want and how mature they are. Excellent. And before I let you go, Rick, I, I just noticed you put, when we were talking about culture, you put a great quote in there from Drucker. <laughs> do, you, do you just want to repeat that quote for everyone as well? Yeah, Peter Drucker, and he, he says... Culture eats strategy for breakfast. And oh, great I mean, quote. It, it's great what we've quote. learned. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, Rick. That was. Uh, Thank that, you, Rick. That, thanks, thanks for your Thank contribution you, um, uh, there. Uh, there we go. Uh, yeah, there's another really good comment here from at UK64 Murray. So sorry, I'm not sure um, exactly what your name is. It's winning and development are all integral parts of the process. First team is the only important result within a pro club environment. Developing the player, coach and person will continue to evolve on a daily basis. All players and coaches play to win. It's just, it's just how it's managed and perceived. Um, let's try and get one more, uh, one other person on as well. Let's try and get uh, Simon on. Uh, one second. Hi, Simon. Can you hear us? Yeah, can hear you, mate. Oh, how's it going? You okay? Yeah, good. You? Yeah, good. Good. Thanks. Uh, we have, what? We have, what was your? What was your answer? Yeah. Um. Obviously, agree with Rick that uh, all the kids and that are at different ages and what they want to do. But if they're going to become a professional at the end of it, 
I think that they need to learn that winning is going to be the end result. I'm not saying it's the most important thing as a kid, but it needs to be there in an underlying sort of uh, involvement in the game uh, from about eight or six. Like the when you're trying to create a culture within a team or um, like a kid, oh, can't, sorry, <laughs> <You're fine. laughs> um, trying to like create um, like someone that is going to make it onto the next step, that the winning is going to have to be what they're striving for at the end. And if there's no competitiveness with the leagues at such a young age, mm. like it just baffles me because it's like, well, they're just playing and you can go and play with your mates down the park if you just want to do that. Right. Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you, Simon. Um, I'll just I'll just talk through. Uh, Ashley's put a comment. I don't feel there's a set age on when winning overtakes development. Development of the individual should be a constant throughout, but winning and losing will always have an effect on each individual differently. Those who reach the top have often overcome some kind of setback and adversity. Matt, what are your thoughts on the comments there? Very good. Um, it, it's something that I don't know answer to myself, hence why I probably asked it. <laughs> um, I, I do think it's key that it is about individual learning. Um, my major concern sometimes as a, as a first-team coach is that a lot of individual development is spent from 12 to, to 18. Say, for example, you have got little Johnny who um, comes through academy. Um, he's a good player and has always been about development. He then comes with first team, uh, does really well, gets in first team, doesn't stop the lad getting across uh, or anything. Manager then comes in and, and kind of has a go at him a little bit. How does Johnny deal with that? Because all his development has been around, well, don't do that, we'll learn how to stop this, do that. Whereas when he's in first team environment, and I do agree that first team, obviously, it does tend to be about winning and losing. Um, however, I do think that there is massive gains in focusing on individual learning within first team football, which I think certainly in my time is something that's got a lot better, I think, in modern modern times for the last four or five years really I think there's been a lot more onus on developing individual players whereas previously it was just win 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 um, but I also think sometimes and this is a little bit controversial that people are scared of talking about winning and I, I don't see why you can't individual develop and win it's not mm. being learned all by mm. all means but I think that um, you watch uh, England, Italy final at European Championships and let's face it, me included did not care less how we played if we won that game um, and I think that uh, it, it, it's a real difficult debate but it's one I think that will rumble on for many a year. Yeah, I, I just want to pick up from, you know, there's been so many positives in terms of the changes of academy in academy structures in terms of how it's run, how it's policed, you know, all the safeguarding, all the processes, you know, all the analysis, all of the technology and the infrastructure that's that, that's that's come on. And uh, 
And often that, you know, that, that was, you know, was driven by an academic, you know, the architect of EPPP was an academic as, as well. But you know, it's just one of the bit of the areas where there's been a bit of the opportunity cost where academy football perhaps doesn't reflect first team football in the way that perhaps people like yourself would like it to. Well, I think that sometimes in this country, um, and I hear it all the time, so if we have somebody who's gone to watch an under-23s game, people go, under-23s football, stereotypical, you have it, we have it, you have it, we have it. Yeah. Which I think is a little bit wrong, really. Um, and then the, these young players get thrown into a League One, League Two loan. Again, you go back to winning. So, I, look, as I say, I don't know right and wrong answer. I just think there's a time and a place for both. Um, we talk a lot about game management. I think to game manage it is about winning or losing. So if you are losing, your strategy changes as an individual to try and win game. You might send your fallbacks higher or et cetera, et cetera. On the other side of that, if you are winning, you have to manage game, manage throw-ins. Like, do you take into corner? Do you not take into corner? So there's loads of different things. But if you don't give the players the opportunity to learn that, are you developing that side of their game? Yeah. Just on that, Matt, you remember the uh, the Central League, and I remember uh, David Hurst. I'm on about Sheffield Wednesday again now, and uh, he, made, he made his comeback from injury, and I think there were 10,000 at Hillsborough. That was the actual attendance. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not egging that on. It wasn't 2,000. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, what you had with the Central League, as you may remember, you know, the, the young lads coming through at 17, 18, playing against the pros, who've probably been playing seven or eight years. You know, for you, do you think that was a, a better way to develop them for first-team football than the current under-23 structure? Well, I can only speak personally, but for me, it was fantastic. So, obviously, I were at Chef Wednesday. I come through with some of the players you spoke about there, but like uh, Richard Cresswell, Richie Humphreys, Ian Nolan, uh, loads of really good top Prezi, Kevin Pressman, Andy Inchcliffe. Um, so players who massively helped my game. So, yeah, for me, it was fantastic. And you also knew on a Saturday, if you were sub for first team, you're going to be playing reserves on a Tuesday, which I think now there's a lot of, well, they can't play in case he gets injured. But I've seen it a lot of times with younger players. Um, so, for example, a younger player will get selected to go at first team. Because you've got a first-year scholar, he goes up with first team. Yeah. He's part of your plans. He's on bench, but he never comes on. Where's his game time? Where's his football? He could do that for two, three months without a game. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to risk him playing for 18 in case he gets injured because he needs him for first team. But then for first team, he might only play 40 minutes in three or four games. So we're like on seesaw, is that successful for a young player? Is it not successful for a young player? Great is playing for first team. But actually, long run is. He could have played, I don't know, 270 minutes for under-18s or in a reserve team league. And I think that you get a lot of that now, um, certainly for Cat 3 clubs, probably not as much with under-23s under um, because they have their own games programme. However, is it as competitive as it, it, is it should be? I think not because I think a lot of clubs loan the better players out and almost now... The 23s is like an under-19s and your under-18s is like an under-16s. Everybody seems to get bumped up and then better 23s go out on loan. So, um, I don't know. There's a lot more. It's not my pay scale to start out uh, tier system English football. 
but um, I'm sure everybody has a different opinion on it. Yeah, you just mentioned there Matt, about uh, you know the scholars maybe win the first team. So is there anything that you would do at your club to integrate? You know, your, your Jerome Greaves, for example, is one recently that's gone out on loan. So are, are you working with uh, Richard Aries, the academy manager, and identifying these players and getting them with the first team to train? Does that happen frequently? Yeah. So what what tends to happen is we um, highlight potentially the three or four players who may well be. Um, have done that well that I'm thinking about giving them a professional contract they'll come up and train with first team um, we are really um, elite incentivised in the fact that if you play well for youth team you'll come up with first team um, I think it's important that it's like that it shouldn't just be a oh well everybody should go up every other week because that environment that we're in we want to create that where you need to be doing well you need to be training well you need to be playing well and then they'll get buddied up. So, for example, Jerome will come up and get buddied up with Michael Smith. Right. Striker, Michael Smith's a striker. If you're centre-half, you'll go with Richard Wood. If you're a midfielder, you go with Ben Wiles. Um, and, and it just works. So that they'll then take him under the wing a little bit. Here's what I do. Here's why I do it. Obviously, they've kind of been picked out because they do do a lot of things right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just to integrate them, really. But I think if you speak... To any of our younger players who have come up, they've loved it. And it's not the big kind of, oh, I'm going up with first team, I'm really nervous. Uh, I don't know where to stand, I don't know what to do, I don't know who to talk to. I don't they just trap normally. And I think that certainly that buddying up scheme has, has, has worked great for us. Yeah. It's an interesting way of doing it. So like with the with the buddying scheme. So before you know, players come up to the first team, will they meet the, the senior player and have a chat with them before they came to yeah, training? Yeah. Yeah, they might have a coffee, they might have a bit of breakfast. They might, uh, they'll, they'll come up. Obviously, now they have to change separately. They can't change with first-team players, so they'll go in a separate change room, which I think, again, is... I understand why. Do I think it's right? I think sometimes it makes it harder for a player and on art, but they're not in the same environment. But then we get them out. We make sure that they're in their areas, so they're either in the gym, where all players are probably doing prehab, or they're in having a coffee or a bit of breakfast or... You know, so you kind of get in that connection before they've gone on to training pitch, which I think is key. And the really, really, our players are really, really good. So they'll, they'll be like, um, any questions, come and see me. And then you end up like, they arguably do my job for me. And then you'll feed, feed back and speak to player after training. So it's just, it's just kind of making sure that without putting all that heaps of pressure on them, you can just let them do what they've done to get up there, really. Yeah, excellent. Right, so we, we have a few questions popping in, I think. Do you want to yeah. uh, have a look at those? Yeah, I think uh, let, let, let's let, let's do that. What, one's just popped in, um, and I'm just going to answer that quickly. I'm going to come to, to, to the other one. Um, and it's uh, a question about the, the, the increase in the role of, of, of a loan manager. Um, so this is, it's, it's the next sort of, I'm not saying fad, but lo, you know, lo, lo, lots, of, lots of clubs have gone down the road of, of, a, of a loan manager. Um, is that something you think will happen at Rotherham or is, do you think you'll um, keep that internally? And you know, the, the question is, uh, it's an important role for young players' development. Planning for a player's transition is key. So you know, will we see a loans manager at Rotherham? Um, I think you're looking at him, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah just, I mean, it, look, it's a different title and we're, 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 again, we're a Cat 3 club mm. academy. We're, 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 we are what we are. Um, I think that if obviously if 
it fell under a remit and we ended up having um, an opportunity to potentially do it, something we might look yeah. at doing. However, I feel like I can still do it. I can mm. still have people go to games. We get to games when we can. I think that because I'm coaching players, I'm a familiar face. Yeah. Um, so they know me, they know I can, they can ring me at any point. Like I had a player ring me on Saturday because he didn't think he wouldn't be involved and then he was. And yeah. so, you know, it's just that I think sometimes it's a sounding board. Um, I try and make sure that certainly on the first loan game, we have somebody at that game. Yeah. Somebody who they know, somebody who they've met, somebody they've spoke to, just in case really. And generally nine times out of 10, they never even contact that, that man. Yeah. However, there might be that one time where they need to or they need a familiar face or they need mm. some help. So I think it is a it is a, um, a role that has come about, which I understand. I think that there are arguably people within the club who could potentially do it. Mm. However, I understand the necessity probably higher up the chain in mm. terms of money and finance and infrastructure yeah. and what you've got, then why, why would you not? That's it, because I think for a lot of Cat 1 clubs, there's a realisation that they're dealing with players that are never going to go anywhere near their first team, but they still might sell for a million quid. Correct, correct. Yeah. And then you've seen a lot of Cat 1 clubs, as, you, as you've rightly said now, running their own business, yeah. arguably. So like Chelsea are obviously a good one to talk about. They've made money every year. They've arguably bought Lukaku off backer and selling younger players and moving younger players on mm. who some people have probably never heard of. Mm. Um, and if, if if financially it works as a business, then why, why would you not? Mm. Uh, there's a question here from Stephen um, who says that he works with players, um, he, he's working with players with their off-field mindfulness to help them with their on-field uh, performance. Um, uh, and he's just really interested um, in your views in, in this area. Massive. Um, I certainly think that when FA brought Four Corner module out, I thought it was brilliant. I think mm. the social corner was key. Um, I do honestly believe that as a coach, certainly um, probably 10, 8, 10 years ago, all you focused on were technical, tactical and physical. Yeah. Um, there were no real concerns about the player. There were no thought process around the player. There were no um, support, arguably, at times for the player, which sounds horrific, but was true. Um, if you had an issue, you arguably spoke to a family member or you spoke to an agent. Are young men comfortable doing that? No, they're not, because, like you say, it shows a weakness sometimes that they don't want to show. So I think um, on the other side of that, you're talking about performance, getting your mind prepared, visualising what you can do, understanding why you do it. Um, and, and I just think, like, you look at the top players in the world, they're mentally driven, aren't they? Like, mm -hmm. Ronaldo and Messi, mm -hmm. one of the best players in the world. Now, they have to probably, in their head, work work whatever they need to, to, to do it. I, I talk a lot about golfers and yeah. saying all golfers, if I took them down to Rotherham Golf Club, obviously, because it's one of the best ones uh, <laughs> in the world. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but if you took them down there, I'm sure they could all shoot a 60, 61. Yeah. Can they shoot a 61 
on last day of a of a major, no, they can't. Yeah. And mentally, they're probably not tuned in right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's another question here from from Adam. Um, he's really referring to your responsibility to ease the transition from young players breaking into the first team. And he touched on it a little bit, but he says, you know, how delicately do you choose that and do you manage that? Uh, it's obviously delicate for every young player. Uh, and, 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 you know, so how do you, how do you approach it in terms of, I guess, just to amplify Adam's question, how do you, how do you approach it in terms of knowing what strategy to take with each individual? I think it's about knowing the player really. Mm. So it's about um, making time for the player, understanding the player. I think the good thing that I certainly have been at club as long as I have is that I know the ones who are coming through. We very rarely take people from outside the academy. Um, so we've always took our pros from our under-18s. I can't think of a time where we've took one from a Cat 1 or Cat 2 club. Wow. Um so I, I, I always know them kind of inside out. Mm. So it, it's a really easy process for me because I know the kid, I know the family, I know what motivates him. I know that he might lay in one morning. I know that he's, 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 um works too hard, which I've had. I've had kids who, who like go way over the top doing four or five sessions a day. Like might play a full ninety minutes and then go to gym at night and pound themselves. Um, so I've had both sides of it really. Um, so it's understanding and knowing and educating again, really. I just found that going back to the, the loans as well when they go out. I mean, do you have like a, a group of clubs that you you've built relationships with, or do you pick a particular club for a, a particular player and circumstance? Yeah, hundred percent. So. Um, there's, there's good clubs we would definitely use again and there's some clubs where we've we've, we've sent them and we would not use again. Um, the majority of clubs now, I think, are really, really professional. Um, I mean, for, for an example, at the minute, we've, we've got two players on loan at Geisley. Yeah. The data, the information we get back, um, the environment that's created, um, everything around it, the feedback we get is fantastic. So, and I know I can pick phone up at any time to that manager and have a conversation. And it's not always good news, but it's important that the player knows why they're not in team or why things have happened. I mean, generally, <laughs> what I've found in this role is that when everything's rosy, I'm not needed. Um, <laughs> when it's not so clever, I'm like an hotline. Yeah. Um, but again, that's what I'm here for. Um so it's just important, really. We get clips. I can sit down with players. I can review the game. I can. It's always important, I think. I mean, I, I WhatsApp them after every game. So it's always, I think, to see what our players are like in terms of self-reflection. So does what they think they've done marry up with what manager says or the scout? Um, I mean, it doesn't always. So then it's understanding why. And perhaps providing evidence that shows them why, um, what they think and what manager thinks are different. So, um, it's not hard, really. I mean, it, it, I'm probably making it sound a lot complicated than it is, but it, it it's just basically pointing out um, the areas that manager wants him to do better in. Mm. Um, I mean, I've used, I mean, for example, like Jacob Gratton, I went to watch him for guys the other week. Yeah. Um, the drew nil nil um, 
at home and he just weren't getting into good enough areas to score. Technically a good player, can score goals. Um, so I did him a video on Ronaldo, which I sent him, how hard he works. I mean, people going about his tappings from two, three yards, but actually what yeah. he does to get in them areas. Runs, yeah. Frame at goal finishing, um, where he is in and around box and just showing him that. So the differing ways, and I'm not saying he's going to be Cristiano Ronaldo, but what I'm saying is that why not learn from best and he is one of the best. Mm-hmm. Yep. So go on, Ryan. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, you got onto the sort of technical aspects, and I know we've we've not really gone into too much there. And in the build up to this, we've had lots of people on Facebook and stuff, ex players, and you know, talk about what a great coach you, you are, Matt. And you know, so we wanted to ask you, you know, in terms of the technical attributes that you look for when you either bring in players into the Rotherham squad or what they need to be to get in your first team. You know, what are the what are the technical aspects that you work on in a co- as a coach and you demand out of your first-team players? Well, it's massively different in different areas at pitch and we have um, like ideal player models for, for each position. So if, if we're looking, for example, at a central midfield player, can he deal with ball? <laughs> I know it sounds really box yeah. standard, but it is. Can he deal with ball? Can he press? We're an eye-pressing team. Physically, is he capable of, of pressing? Um, does he identify danger? Does he stay on his feet? So there's a there's a array a, 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 of a list of fundamentals we look for. Um, we understand we're Rotherham United. We're playing League One. We're not going to get Angolo Kante rocking up through door, who does everything that that you want. So we understand. So it's important that we have a realization that we might get this, this, and this, but we don't get that and that. Um, but that's fine. Can we focus on working on that, but also identifying this? Because I think sometimes as a coach, coaches are some coaches I've met are really good at telling your player what 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 he can't do. Yeah. However, what can he do? Because the reason that you brought him to the club is because he can do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it drives me crackers. So by I've I've seen um, I've spoke to coaches and managers who go. Yeah, but he's not so clever on his left foot. Well, he's never been so clever on his left foot. Surely should identify that. Um, how many games have played? So I honestly believe that um, recruitment sometimes, like when the player gets injured, physio gets blamed, or medical team, that's a recruitment issue. Mm. Um, has he done it previously? Has he played them games? That obviously there's a there can be a freak injury. Broken yeah. leg, a cruise ship, yada yada yada, but but I always think that if they've had hamstring issues, they're going to have hamstring issues. It's not just going to go away because they sign for you. Um, so it's important that how you recruit and what you do is key to what you're looking for. Um, and and again, as I said, the technical attributes are key. However, we understand that we might have to lose some of them for something else, um, and then it's down to us as a management team understanding which we think potentially best option that fits into as a start conversation about us culture and values that we think is going to be best fit for our club. Yeah. Just just a quick final one for me from there. So in terms of your belief, even with the senior players, you know, players mid-20s, do you as a coaching team still go in and with the belief, and I imagine you have to evidence this, that you can improve them technically? Even when they're in the, the you know, the, the, their mid twenties, say for example, hundred percent, 
100%. Why, why can't you make any player better? Um, that I, I honestly believe that. Um, we can all get better as coaches. You can get yep. better as a person. You can get better at anything in life. You can get better educated. You can... Why, why, if you do something every day and focus in that area, why can't you get better at it? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's an interesting question about the mental aspect of it. Sometimes it could be a mental block that is on that player. So it might be he's missed, I don't know, he's missed an absolute sitter with his head. So all of a sudden now he thinks he can't edit. Um, you have to prove to him that he can edit, work, do some working on it, showing videos of him doing it. There's loads of different ways, but I genuinely believe that you can make any player better. We, we, we've had players who've gone up scales. We had Will Vokes, who we believe come in, went to Cardiff, has done really well when he went there. Danny Ward were a little bit older. He went yeah. 1.8 million to Huddersfield. We had Shemi yeah. and Jay, who were mid-20s, who went to West Brom. All gone on. Um, Marek Rodak, keeper, like list, lists endless. But I think it's, it, again, it's down to your culture, it's down to your values, it's down to the environment that's created. And it's hard when everybody is getting better to not try and get better yourself. In terms of um, the players' development, how do you go about building their game insight and understanding? What kind of strategies do you have in place to do that? Well, we we, um, we do a lot of uh, analytical reviewing. So um, I mean, it probably touches on like how, how our working week works. Yeah. And then you get more of an idea. So, for example, if we play Saturday, we're always off every Sunday and Wednesday. Manager thinks it's crucial. You spend time with your family. You can recover at home. There's a lot lads go out for a run now and a jog and a bike ride without even asking. So it's never that's where I think games change. Yeah. The clips are all on huddle, so we're all on it. Like as we spoke about earlier, they're all there, ready for them to watch. Um, me and manager will then um, debrief everything. We'll show them on a video. We have um, a meeting every Monday, and we always call it like a drop your ego meeting, basically. So at some point in that meeting, somebody's going to get called out. Now that isn't an individual thing; that's a, a group thing. So if you're right back, who's playing? I understand you might feel a little bit demotivated by me telling you that you marked wrong side or you need to keep him away from goal or lines your friend or yada, yada, yada. It's important that everybody in that room understands and knows that if they're in that position, that's what you want. So we'll always debrief, clips will come on. Um, a bit. Uh, one thing that we have done a lot better the last couple of years is each coach sits down with um, some of the players and watches the clips. So if I watched my clips as a player, I would watch me nutmegging Lado in 69th minute because <laughs> that's where I look great and modern society takes that if you get Megs now, you're an absolute legend. Yeah, yeah. However, is that going to make him a better player? No, it isn't. So it's important that as a coach, you sit down with player because also on the other side of that, the player will think that he's had a stink and actually might have done the right thing. So it works both ways a little bit. So it's important that coach sits with player rather than player just watching it himself. Um, so then we'll, we'll, we'll do that and train we always come in later on a Monday for, for sleep patterns really to make sure that they get the rest and recovery you never sleep same after a match on a Saturday mm. um, so we'll come in later train Monday afternoon Tuesday when we'll come in and train weights um, gym after all that stuff 
Wednesday's off. Thursday, then we'll start focusing on our opposition. So Richie does all the um, in and out of possession stuff of opposition who we're playing against. Training session will be based around that, implementing what we're going to try and do against our opponents. Obviously, a lot of them is built around our fundamentals that we work along. Um, Friday then is looking at opposition strengths and weaknesses. So you're just layering and building on. So you've got in and out of possession strengths and weaknesses. And then on Saturday we'll play and we'll have three in possession, three out of possession things that we're going to focus on for that game. So you've already three, three layered it. Also, you've shown the players on video. They've had a go at it out on the training pitch. So again, you just create, you just identifying different people's learning styles, can they see on a screen. Lads will come up and we have a really posh thing we've saved up for about four years. So we have one of these screens where you can touch and drag and, and shift people about. So players will get up and do that in front of a group, um, not to embarrass them, but so if they're in that position, situation, they know. So again, it's just about layering, learning really and and without knowing, having long, laborious, boring meetings, you have a 10-minute in-and-out possession, a 10-minute strengths and weaknesses, a 10-minute recap, um, and it's built and built and built. So by Saturday, they all know the jobs in-and-out possession. So if you've, I mean, the games programme in League One, it's 46 league games, and then you've got all the cup competitions and stuff. So you're going to be playing Saturday, Tuesday sometimes. So how, how do you find that in terms of trying to get that work in if you've only got three days between games? They're really tough for us. Players will think that they just rock up and it's dead easy. Um, but it, it is really tough for, for us staff um, to analyse. But again, that's where it, it, it comes really important that we understand our roles and responsibilities as staff. So obviously, like as I said, Richie's, Richie does in and out of possession, yeah. uh, Spencer Winkers says, I'll do debrief, touching upon principles along with manager. Um, if there's anything that we see in and around training, We'll all get together and kind of sort that out. It could be that I see something from um, wing back um, that one or other ones might have not seen. So it's important that um, we have trust within our little group and we understand that I'm not going to be saying to wing back something totally different. So it, 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 we're kind of all on the same page. And I think yeah. we're just in a position now that it just happens naturally. Yeah. So, like, we've worked together that long now that Richie knows that I'll be saying the same thing to whoever it is and Gaffer knows that um, it might be Richie who's saying it. So, it just it just works and we, we all know how we want to play. We all know what we do. We all have embedded as principles um, and it, 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 becomes, it becomes easier. However, it's still ridiculously tough with the amount of games that we have. Yeah, it's a quick it's a quick turnaround, isn't it? Like like Spencer alluded to there, especially if you're going to have to be travelling as well. Um, you know, Saturday to Tuesday to get all of that analytical work, to get all the review work in, um, very very difficult. Um, uh, wanted, we wanted to ask, um, type of education is provided, uh, you know, sort of internally at, at the club to to develop the other coaches and you guys as well. Um, how are you looking to better yourselves? Um, well, it, sometimes it can be really tough. Um, so I, I, I've done a couple of CPDs for our staff. So they, they, 
I think what's important in academies is it's not always about developing players, it's about developing staff as well. So I'm yeah. a prime example of it, but we've had numerous academy coaches on who've gone on to do bigger and better and wonderful things, and that should be deemed as success. It's important that that's seen. So we try and help the academy coaches. Um, obviously, I've done a lot of my learning through courses, etc. Um, the LMA, the PFA now are really, really good. There's always courses going on there. We do a hell of a lot of cross-sport visits. Hmm. So I'm a massive ice hockey fan. So um, Sheffield Steelers, I were there last night. Um, Did they win, Matt? Now they lost 5-3 against Panthers, so let's not talk about it. Moving on um, quickly. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go and see Aaron Fox within the next couple of weeks, who's coach. Just basically see sure what they do, how they do it, what, what we can do to help. Um, our players that they might do and vice versa. Um, lucky enough that we've been to Wigan Warriors, we've used different sports. And look, there's some things that you could definitely not use. However, there's loads of things that you can. Um, and it's just magpieing, basically. Excellent. Um, I think we're, we're nearly there for time. So one uh, final question, Matt. So what advice would you give to coaches who are looking to forge a career in the game? Um, I don't think there's any substitute for coaching and getting your hours in. I think that a lot of people bypass or want to bypass or see, um, I want to get to that first team level, I want to get that 16s, I want to get that 40, whatever, whatever it is that their um, aspirations are. I've been really fortunate in the fact and probably didn't realise it at the time that I've done numerous roles. I think it's massively helped me. Um, working at different age groups, embedding different things, um, understanding um, younger kids. And I honestly believe if you can work with younger kids in academies, first team is easy. So um, all first team players are is little kids, basically. They want, them, they want you to spend time with them. They want you to try and make them better. They want you to have a plan on how you're going to do that. And that is what academies do do. So when you go up to first team level and you start giving that level of detail, they love it. Um, and I think it's important that you massively enjoy what you're doing. You have a key a key um, role within that community or that organisation. And I think sometimes you forget.